afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, currently we live in a social environment in which hate is overt, active, and visible. Not so very long ago, in fact, just prior to the election of our current president, hate was more hidden, more covert, more or less only active in passive aggression, aggressive fashions. But there are many people out there today who are trying to tell us that hate is a good thing, that it's a survival skill essential to our well-being. That, of course, we hate for how could we feel any other way toward people of other races, other cultures, other skin colors, or other sexual orientations and gender identities. But hate is a response to fear, and fear is a response to ignorance. There's so much that we fear that we really have no reason to fear. So what do we do with all this? We learn to find the love beneath the hate. And this show is going to go difficultly in through that miasma of hate and talk to us about just how we can learn to find the love beneath the hate. So you don't want to be, miss this show. Well, let's start first by talking about how it was before when hate was still in the shadow. So what I mean by shadow uh, is the unconscious. It is, it is our inability to see what we're up to. It is uh, the fact that we can be doing one thing with the left hand and another with the right and not know that what neither hand knows what the other is doing. So uh, when we talk about that kind of hate, it becomes passive aggressive. It becomes, I'm not going to let you know that I hate, but my hate will come out in some um, fairly passive-aggressive ways, like sarcasm or little barbed comments or perhaps, uh, you know, clicking my door locked when a black person or a black man in particular walks by or uh, finding ways to demonstrate that I really do have some biases that are based in hate. So those are little, uh, little covert messages that we send out to our world, and the world gets them. Um, If you listen to people of other races, uh, uh, other gender identities, other sexual orientations, other cultures or skin colors, talk about what they receive from uh, from people who are biased, they get the message. They get the passive-aggressive message. So the, the shadow material was still delivering the message, only less overtly and perhaps a little less violently. Now, of course, we went through a time in American history when there was absolute, outright, overt violence against black people in particular. Uh, African Americans suffered a great deal at the hand of the Ku Klux Klan. But, of course, even they operated in the dark of night, interestingly enough, with masks on their faces, so that uh, they could go ahead and do the hateful deed, but never have to admit that they were the ones that were doing it. And how did that affect them psychologically? Well, I don't know, but... I wonder if there was any possibility that it affected them by telling, they could tell themselves that they hadn't really done anything bad because they were wearing a mask when they did it, so nobody saw them, so maybe they really didn't do it. Um, We have this capacity uh, to compartmentalize our deeds so much that we don't even realize we've done them, Um, especially if we wore a mask while doing them and nobody else saw it, so we could say to ourselves, well, nobody saw it, so I really didn't do it. Of course, that's not true, but we definitely have that capacity to do that in our minds, and that's why the unconscious is so important to our dialogue today. Uh, what we're having, what we're talking about, what we're discussing, is this idea that 
that we can be unconscious of what's going on inside of us. And that's where hate resided. Between uh, 1956 and, uh, well, probably more or less 1970 somewhere, um, and uh, in the current, you know, the current uh, presidency where hate has become more overt and loudly spoken and without the masks. Uh, not that the Ku Klux Klan doesn't operate with masks still, they do. But they're marching more overtly now, and they're uh, demanding more overtly now. And we commonly know who it works with the uh, Ku Klux Klan. We know David Duke's na- name, for example, and we know that he's very definitely associated with the Ku Klux Klan. Sent, uh, within, you know, back in the 1950s and before that, we didn't know the names of the people, or at least not commonly know the names of the people involved in the Ku Klux Klan. Now we do. So what we're... What we're doing is we're bringing this out into our cultural world and we're having a public argument about whether or not it's okay to hate other races, other skin colors, other cultures, other sexual orientations and other gender identities and others, others of difference, others with disabilities, uh, all kinds of others. Um, so, uh, so that piece is really, really important and I think we need to not miss that, that, it's, that what's happening now is we have we have brought something that's in has been in our collective unconscious more or less out into the conscious world to have a public argument about it, and I think that's a real positive change, a positive shift that could bring us to a place where we begin to transform hate into love. Um, and by that, I don't mean that that you know we will always have all lovely positive flowery feelings for each other i don't think that you know that's necessary even but i do think it's important for us to recognize and appreciate the nobility of difference for difference is part of our our humanity it is a part of who we are so let's talk about how this kind of hate comes to be okay so there're two different kinds of hate one is a personal hate where Someone offends you personally. Someone who is a personal relationship offends you in a personal way. And it hurts very badly. And out of that hurt comes hate. Uh, Not because we're being conscious of the pain of the hurt, but rather because we're trying to be unconscious of the pain of the hurt. So I, I come to hate my father who was abusive to me because I don't want to feel the pain of his abuse. I'd rather hate him. Because that's less painful than than hurting and realizing that there was lack of love uh, in his woundedness. Or even going so far as to have some empathy for him um, and his blindness in abusing me, that would be, uh, that would be too hard to do if we're busy hating. So, um, so that kind of hate is a way of covering up the woundedness. Um, so what I say in that case is that hate is love wounded. Uh, we love somebody, we love them very much, they wounded us, and now we have turned that love to hate because we want to cover up our pain. In that case also, I would say that, lo- that hate is not the opposite of love, but hate is a denial of love. And uh, it doesn't mean that we stop loving. It means we don't act very loving, for sure. But it doesn't mean that we've stopped loving, it just means that we've found a way to not have to feel that love because it's less painful to hate than it is to have to feel the love. So um, 
So it's a denial of love, not an opposite of love. On the other hand, there is a hate that operates in the culture uh, that is very operative in our culture today where uh, we can hate a whole race of people, which is mind-boggling to me when I just say that out loud. We can hate a whole race of people, really, people we don't even know. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Um, But we can do that. We have the capacity to hate a whole race of people, a whole culture, a whole group of a certain skin color, a whole group of certain sexual orientations, a whole group of certain gender identities, a whole group of disabled persons, a whole group of mentally ill persons. We, we have the capacity to just hate groups of people that we've never met, have no knowledge of. We just hate them. Now, what is that? Well, the interesting thing about that kind of hate is it's also a, a form of denial. It says we are different And I'm uncomfortable with our difference because our difference makes me question my worth. Therefore, I'm going to say you're bad and hate you. Therefore, I don't have to question my own worth. That's what hate really is all about, this kind of hate of a collective. It is about me deciding that it's better to think you're less than me than it is for me to think I'm less than you. Somebody has to be less than here because there's a difference between us and one of them is better than the other. Okay? So the first thinking that is distorted is that if there's difference, it means that one thing is better than the other. So if you're different from me, you're better than me or I'm better than you. One of the two is true. That's a distortion of reality that bears no resemblance to reality whatsoever. And yet there are a lot of people who really do, at bottom line, when you when you really... Get bias down to its bottom line. There's a belief that it, where difference exists, there's a strata difference in terms of quality of worth. So one is better than the other. So there's the, there's the first distortion. The second is that if one of us is better than the other, then I have to be better than you because I can't live with the idea that you're better than me. Okay, so that's a, another distortion that has to take place before this kind of hate can exist. So... I I need to believe that since it's true that one of us is better than the other one, that you're the problem, not me. Because I can't live with the idea that I have to question my worth. Therefore, I question yours. So that's why we have people thinking that people of other races don't really belong in the human race. Which is such an absurd idea. uh, Absurd, completely absurd idea. And yet, there are still people who are writing about and thinking about the possibility that uh, certain races are not fundamentally a part of the human race. They're really animals, which, again, is a bizarre notion. But they do that because they don't want to look at the possibility that difference has nothing to do with value of a person. Uh, and, And here's the third part of that kind of hate. It's based in fear because I'm afraid that if you, you know, since difference means there's something wrong with one of us, that I'm afraid that it might be me. Therefore, I have to make it you. So I don't have to, you know, feel that fear and deal with my worthiness. Uh, It's also uh, uh, based in fear because it's based in ignorance. So I don't even know you. I don't know anything about you. I know nothing except that I look at you and I know that we're different. That's all I know. And 
that ignorance means that I'm making up all kinds of things about you that aren't necessarily so. So that is the final component of, of this hatred that has a complex design made up of fear, made up of distorted thinking, and, and at base is, is ignorant. So if what happens when, when uh, a person of one race gets to know a person of another race is that all of those biases fall away. You get to know somebody at the soul level. You get to know them at a deeper level, and you see their humanity, and you begin to realize that, oh, you're just a person just like me. Um, I've heard people say that same thing about people that are called movie stars, icons. You know, um, they met the person, they got to know them, and they said, oh, they're just a person just like me. Well, that's true of everybody on the planet. I almost want to say hello, (laughs) because it's true of everyone on the planet. Everyone is just a person, just like everyone else. There is no one better than anyone else. We put our icons up on a on a, a pedestal, and we say somehow you're better than me, and that's based in an idea, ancient idea, that wealth somehow means that you're a better person, and that's what a lot of the hate of today is coming from. There's an, an idea that's been is out there and prevalent among politicians today. We saw it just last week when uh, when the Republican Congress passed by a very short margin uh, uh, Trump, Trump care. Of course, it still has to go through the Senate, and we're very hopeful that that will not pass. But but uh, what they said, what some of the po- politicians said in various quotes that you can read about if you look it up, uh, is that the people that got sick were doing the wrong thing, and therefore people that were healthy deserve to have better health insurance because they weren't doing anything wrong. So there's a belief that wealth and health mean that you're somehow a better person than other people. So people who struggle with uh, uh, say, for instance, having a child that is uh, born with a hole in his heart, uh, well, those people are just bad, and they don't deserve to have health insurance because they're bad people. That idea uh, is just sheer insanity. <laughs> you know, there's n- nothing that even smacks of empathy or compassion in that idea, and there's nothing of humanity that comes from that idea. So there, there's a real... Uh, uh, awareness now that's coming into public observation that these these kinds of thoughts have been there all along that that in our subconscious there's been some some real stinky thinking about uh, who we are as a human race about difference in our race about what it means to be healthy about what it means to be wealthy about what what it means uh, you know uh, several of the people who surround the current president's, um, you know, cabinet and uh, are are still in favor of him as a president and his uh, his agenda as a president are are commonly um, making passive aggressives or or uh, not overt but covert messages about how wealth makes a person a better person. Somehow you're better, more human person if you are wealthy and uh so that idea it's always been there we can see it in the book of job in the bible one of the most ancient books of the bible 
which makes it equivalent to some of the Buddhist texts, the sutras of the Buddhist, uh, sacred texts of the Buddha of Buddhism, that that um, that idea that um, Job was suffering because he uh, or Job had lost his wealth because he had sinned, um, and so that idea is is still there, in spite of our modern day thinking about so many things, in, ma- in spite of our ability to uh, create technological advances beyond our wildest imaginings of 50 years ago, we still have these ancient ideas that are almost archetypal in their power to overcome the imagination of the human mind um, because they tell us things that are utterly false. Um, is it true that a wealthy person is better than a, a, a person who's poor? Really? How, how do you come to that? What I find most fascinating is that uh, wealthy people, and not in general, but there are some wealthy people that I know about who are find it more difficult to give to charitable organizations out of compassion. They give because they have to for a tax break, um, but they find it more difficult to give to a charitable organization just because they want to give. Um, but some some people I know that are struggling every day to make it uh, financially are very willing to give their home, their car, the shirt off their back to other people because they know suffering. They understand and they empathize with it and they they can give their heart and soul to someone who's suffering like they suffer. So, you know, if you're going to qualify human behavior in terms of its value, I think we have to look at that. Um, but let's get away from qualifying human behavior and just look at the fact that difference is not something we really need to be afraid of. Difference is a part of our makeup. Difference is a part of our creation. Difference is a part of how flowers are different from other flowers and trees are different from other trees and oceans are different from other oceans and mountains are different from other mountains. Uh, Not everything is the same. And so why do we have to stratify difference? Why do we have to put it in different strata and say that one is better than the other? So that question uh, gets us back to ignorance. And so we're going to spend some time talking about ignorance and what that means and why we stay ignorant rather than taking the risk to get more information that would help us to move past some of this distorted thinking, move past some of our fears, and find the love under hatred. So we're going to talk about that some more right after the break. We'll be back in just a minute. Stay tuned. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com It's time to eradicate barriers that are holding you back in your relationships and your life. Start by embracing the concept of laughing loudly and loving deeply. Coincidentally, that's the name of a highly anticipated new show featuring host Dr. Faith Brown. She'll talk with life experts or life spurts in order to help you develop your own vision plan for better relationships and experiencing the ultimate enjoyment in life. Laughing Loudly, Loving Deeply with Dr. Faith can be heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Mighty Gems is waiting for you. 
Host Dee Lee shares creative ideas, sparkling inspirational wisdoms, and life experience so you can connect to greater consciousness to gain special gifts of inspiration, encouragement, enlightenment, and your own discovery journey. It's time to show up now and experience what it means to be fully present in your life. Tune in to Mighty Gems with Dee Lee, live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Welcome to Portal to Ascension Radio. Your hosts, Neil and Sol Gore, will take you on a journey to expand your consciousness. You will learn about hidden ancient wisdom, advanced technology, cosmic consciousness, our true world history, the ascension of Earth, and so much more deeply esoteric and revolutionary information. It is time to explore the nature of reality. Listen every Friday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's one 866 You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about how we can find the love beneath the fear, beneath the hate, excuse me, also fear. Um, but before we go there, I want to tell you a little bit more about Super Soul Sunday. Uh, we have passed through several episodes that were uh, current, and now there's a repeat cycle going on. But if you've missed those episodes, you can definitely go to Super Soul Sunday online and watch them online. Um, you can go to the OWN channel and put in Super Soul Sunday and watch them there. You can also go to OWN on your TV station and uh, find and watch the episodes there on Sunday mornings because they do repeats on Sunday mornings. So I really would encourage you to watch these. They are very moving and very powerful uh, shows that offer us a new perspective, and uh, I pay attention to it every Sunday. So they will be back. They will be coming back in June, and we'll be doing some more talking about those then. Today, however, we're talking about hate and what is that hate, how to find love under hate. So we've described hate as a psychological way of avoiding our, our, um, our understanding of pain, our understanding of, of difference. And um, so, and I encourage if you haven't listened to the first segment for you to go back and listen to that so you'll get that definition fairly clearly. But for now, what I want to do is talk about ignorance because what we said was fear is a response to ignorance. And what we are primarily ignorant of as a culture, in fact, indeed, as a world, is ourselves. We're most ignorant about what goes on within us. Why is that true? Well, mostly it's true because we don't, uh, we have been taught by the external world to stay in the external world and to obey what the external world thinks is true. Mostly we believe that we are here to somehow serve and please other people, that our job is to fit into society, that our job is to do what is normal, 
what is quote unquote normal. I say that word quite facetiously. Um, and uh, so we do. We, we do what is required of us by the external world. And sometimes that's a lot of shoulds, ought tos, and have tos. Sometimes it's just uh, being a fashionista. Sometimes it's being somebody who knows how to do the cultural thing, how to fit into the social world how to please the social mores, how to please the social ethic, how to please the world. Um, and and uh, so we do that. And we so much so that even in our personal world, when we're home alone, sometimes it's hard for us to forget that nobody's watching. Sometimes when we look in the mirror, we look through the eyes of how we think other people would be looking of us instead of looking through our own eyes, at ourselves, and really seeing ourselves in the mirror. So when we, we look at ourselves in the morning, we ask ourselves, How's other, how are other people going to see what I'm wearing? Instead of, what do I, how do I feel in what I'm wearing? That's a real difference. We haven't been taught to look inside. We've been taught to look outside. And so we are basically ignorant about our own lives. Very commonly, when I'm practicing therapy with clients, I, I will ask them something about how they feel about something, and they will say, I don't know. And sometimes, if I've got a, a, a solid enough relationship with that client, I will say, well, if you don't know what's going on inside of you, who's going to know? And that question sometimes wakes people up. Because what it does is say, you know, you're walking around in a life, in a body, in a, in, a, in a mind, in a soul, and you don't even know what's going on in there, really? That's kind of scary, don't you think? <laughs> but that's true of a lot of us. We spend lifetimes staying out of touch with what's going on inside of us. How many times have you cried and not known why you cried? How many times have you been irritable and not known why you were irritable? How many times have, have you felt this creeping feeling of shame or a sense that you just couldn't, weren't dressed right or looked right or felt good enough to join the crowd, but you didn't know where it came from. What's going on inside of you? Who's knocking you around in there? That's really important stuff. So because that's true, it's harder for us to get in touch with what goes on when we hate. So what we do is just keep hating. We don't ask ourselves why we hate or what's going on with that or where that came from or, you know, how we got some distorted thinking that we have about difference. We didn't ask ourselves those questions. We don't bother with that. We just do what everybody else around us is doing because that's what everybody does, isn't it? There's a TV commercial that says, and I can't remember the exact number it quotes, but I'm going to just say a number out of the, out of the sky. 300 million people can't be wrong, can they? And my, I talk out loud to commercials. I don't know about you, but I talk out loud to commercials. I say something back, and I, what I say is, oh, yes, they can. Oh, yes, they can. They can be wrong. But that's what we think. We think if everybody else likes it, if everybody else is doing it, if everybody else thinks it, it must be true. 300 million people can't be wrong, can they? Of course they can. We've seen it throughout history many times. We might have just seen it in November. So, you know, when, when we look at uh, the society and what society expects of us, we have to look at the given society that's generating the thought patterns of a given smaller culture within a society. So, uh, 
So, for example, a child who's raised in the home of parents who are members of the Ku Klux Klan uh, might be might be raised to believe that it's good to hate people of other races, other uh, gender identities, other sexual orientations, other cultures, other skin colors, disabilities, um, mental illness, all kinds of difference. And uh, so that child will grow up thinking that this is right and any other kind of thinking is wrong. And that's a sad persuasion. But... Can, it, can we do something about it? Sure we can. Sure, that child could grow up and see another world out there and go, wait a minute, something's wrong with what I got taught. They certainly can do that, and that happens a lot in any kind of dysfunctional home where you know, a child grows up being abused and then goes to visit some other homes where there is no abuse and there's a loving, nurturing environment, and, and they begin to then compare and, and stop normalizing their home life and be able to go, wait a minute. Something's wrong in my home because this is not what happens in, in other people's homes. That comparison helps us to think. It helps us to go, wait a minute, something's re- off here. I need to question this. And it is by questioning that we come to be less ignorant. We come to understand deeper things within ourselves. We come to be willing to come to the door of the unknown and enter it and say, I'm going to find out what's really true and false here. You see, we have lived for so many centuries out of what I call the good-evil paradigm. We haven't, we haven't uh, made much room for what I also call the true-false paradigm. The good-evil paradigm is made out of, of the two polarized ideas that there is such a thing as goodness and there is such a thing as badness and that everybody is always falling somewhere along the, that continuing between good and bad, bad. They're, they're either being good or they're being bad or they're being some close proximity to one or the other. And uh, there's very little room for the middle ground there. There's very little neutral territory in, between, in that polarized way of thinking. Um, so things are mostly falling into one of those two categories, good or bad. And, of course, bad goes all the way to evil and good goes all the way to holy. And uh, so we that paradigm says that that... that all of life should be judged according to those standards and that we're always judging ourselves according to those standards. And what that does is set up first a standard of existence that isn't even real because you can't really find a definitive, standardized, global-wide definition of what's good and what's bad. It doesn't exist. What's good in one family is bad to another. What's good in one culture is bad to another. What's What was good to Osama bin Laden was to fly airplanes into the trade towers in the Pentagon. What was good in America was not to do that. So we have different ideas about what's good and what's bad. And... Uh, and so we can't, we can't really prove goodness or badness on any kind of scale, especially not an empirical one, but certainly an, uh, even with regard to rational thinking, we can't prove goodness or badness. can do that. Um, so what happens is that we, since we believe it to be so real, we make it real. We tell ourselves that things that are, that are just happening in the world are really evil. So people, of, uh, people that are different, it's frightening because they're different. They're not the same as us. And so we, we, we go, well, what's wrong with me? If they're, if they're different from me, what's wrong with me? And we don't want to stay there very long because that's real uncomfortable to be asking what's wrong with me. So we don't go there. We just go, oh, there's something wrong with them, like I said in the first segment. So uh, that, that 
passes for some form of intelligence, but it's actually utter ignorance. And uh, when we when I, we put ourselves in that paradigm, what happens is that we begin to to uh, judge ourselves and other people according to that th- way of thinking. On the other hand, there is another paradigm that we can begin to consider if we're willing to put aside the good evil paradigm because it has no merit, and it leads us to hate and ignorance, and also and and think instead in, in terms of true and false. We can learn what's true. We have empirical data um, that we can look at and say, yes, this has been proven to be true. There's one way of, of, of working with true and false. Another is to look inside ourselves and, and, and see how that resonates with our inner sense of truth. We have that capacity for fielding an inner sense of truth that we haven't paid much attention to because, again, we are ignorant about what goes on inside of us. Just in the same way that we have for centuries denied our powers of intuition um, and not used it much because we thought we thought more in favor of the rational, which of course when we close out the uh, irrational parts of our lives, we are we become quite irrational. Um, uh, so, so the idea that there's only one thing that we should operate out of means that I'm trying to push away all the other parts of me that are also still there. And I end up being quite irrational when I'm trying to be very rational. Um, and I say some more about that in some books that I've written. Inhabiting Heaven Now is one of those books. And the book that will be coming out in August, um, Letting Go of Good, uh, also talks about that a lot. Uh, the idea that the rational the, the idea that, you know, the rational mind is supposed to be the compensating force in our lives turns out to be quite irrational when it closes out all the other capacities we have. Um, but, so when we, when we say to ourselves that, um, that, you know, the inner world doesn't count, it just you can't be depended on, what we're really saying is there's no floor. There's no floor in the inner person on which a person can stand, and that is utterly false. Anybody who's done some work with the inner self knows there's a floor. It's called groundedness. It's called the ability to, to stand inside yourself and know truth from your own perspective, from your own sense of what is true and what's not true. Um, we can go there, and we can validate truth from within inside us, but we haven't been taught to believe that. We've been taught that there's an external idea of goodness and badness, and that's all there is, and that's all we need to know. And it's good to be white, male, and privileged, and it's bad to be anything else. And that's the current uh, monologue, diatribe, that's out there now that's become quite public. That it's good to be white, male, wealthy, healthy, and... uh, and, and that's it. Everything else is bad. Um, so that narrow, narrow view of life is so filled with ignorance and fear that it becomes hate. And that's how we get to the place of hate. But when we begin to look inside of ourselves, we go under the hate. We begin to look at life from the inner world to the outer instead of allowing the outer world to to inhabit the inner world, we allow the inner world to speak and be heard and to give us a floor to stand on. And that, that inner world is how we 
go under hate and find love. Because underneath all that hate is ignorance. And once we get past the ignorance and start asking questions of the self and of the soul and of each other and challenging us to move beyond what we think we know of good and evil and try to process from the standpoint of true and false, what we find is love. What we find is that love is the bottom line of everything. That underneath all of our ignorance and all of our fear is a generative, powerful, potent love of other people. We have to turn that off. We have to turn off that generative, potent, powerful love within us in order to continue to behave out of hate. We have to turn it off. We have to literally compartmentalize it, shut it off into a dark room in the psyche and lock it up, put chains on the door and never let it out. That's what we have to do in order to keep hating. That kind of psychology has its repercussions. And so people that hate will eventually have to have to be um, persuaded to look at love. It may happen in their personal life. It may happen in a more public way. But at some point, somewhere, in some lifetime, what happens is what's been closed up in that closet comes out. Love that's been shut away comes out. So we find uh, that um, in prison systems, if you don't uh, join one of the gangs, one of the racially dispersed gangs, um, what happens is either you have to join one of those gangs or you stand in your own ground, which can be quite heroic in a prison system. Um, But standing in your own ground means that all those different people begin to respect you. And that's what happens in our own internal voice system where where, uh, when we stand in our own ground, we begin to uh, sort out the distinctive voices within us. We begin to understand that we have more than one voice, that there's more than one persuasion going on inside of us, that sometimes when we're doing something filled with hate, there's actually another voice calling us to, to look at something different inside of us. Spending time inside of our self is how we go beneath hate to find love. Spending time within ourselves is how we begin to go underneath the hate to find love. Because inside of us, we find love. Because it's there, it's powerful, and it's potent. And though we may have locked it away in a dark room in the psyche so that we can continue to hate and keep the armor up, uh, it's still there. And it finds its way out. And it will. We're going to talk some more about that right after the break. Stay tuned for more. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com What's your purpose on the planet? Are you ready to make jumps to pursue your passions? We often make excuses, but it commonly leads back to fear. Sharing our stories provides an opportunity to learn lessons and leverage pearls of wisdom that we gain on life's journey. 
We'll help you push through the fears that hold you back from empowering you to experience pure love and live your life's purpose. Tune in to the Beth Bell Radio Show Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Should there be more to your life? Do you need a change? Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young will provide empowering commentary each week to encourage you. She will interview successful personalities from movies, television, business, technology, health, and academia. All of them have amazing stories, resulting in transformed lives. You'll learn how to discover real happiness, financial success, and fulfillment to live your highest purpose. Join her on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and a replay Fridays at 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Women's Channel. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration that opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time with award-winning authors Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the Empowerment Channel. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about how we can go beneath uh, hate to find love. And uh, we've said several things. We defined why we hate, why we hate on a personal level and why we hate... uh, uh, on a more cultural level, why collectives hate other collectives. And uh, we've also talked about ignorance and the ignorance that of the self, of the ignorance of what goes on inside of us that keeps us from walking that inner terrain to find out more about what goes on in there. And that brings us to what I call the ultimacy of love. Um, I believe that ultimately everything is going to fall down to love. And um, that's an arguable topic, but I challenge the argument. I challenge a public argument. I would like to see us argue more about that. And there is an argument going on out there right now between those who love and those who hate. And that argument is, is, is overt now. It's not covert. It's not hidden in the shadows of the collective consciousness. It's now out there for us all to engage in. And I think engaging in that argument is a very healthy um, and I think we we really, uh, if we can just say our truth, um, then that allows the people who hate to argue with that. And as they argue with that, what they're doing is putting, trying to put their hate into words and excuse it and rationalize it and make it okay. And that's a really good thing because once all that release is keeping it from just being locked in that little dark room of the, of the psyche where it just rules the life. 
Uh, see, what we put away in the unconscious, what we try to hide from ourselves, what we compartmentalize, basically rules us because it, it has that kind of energy. When we try really hard not to know that we're doing something quote-unquote wrong, then we, it, it begins to take a power of its own. And it begins to, to run us. And so that's what's happened with more and more hate as it's generated uh, throughout a collective of, of society that uh, they rationalize it, they pump it up, they begin to uh, push it more, they act out of it, they create violence out of it, and they justify more and they rationalize more and then they create more violence and then they justify more and they rationalize. So it becomes this vicious cycle and it takes over. But when you insert an argument, a conscious argument, it allows opportunity for the mind to begin to question itself. And that's what we're looking for, is for the mind to begin to question itself. We do this all the time in individual therapy. When, uh, when there's a particular complex, and by complex I mean uh, something that's unconscious, that's running that person's life in ways that they don't understand. Uh, when we begin to uh, bring consciousness to that complex... Sometimes by even dialoguing with the complex, what happens is the complex is given a voice and we begin to hear how irrational and distorted its thinking is and we begin to go, oh, I see, that's been running my life. And so that same thing happens uh, on a collective level. When we as members of a collective argue or dialogue with other people who have the opposite viewpoint of hatred uh, rather than love, now, here, let me say this. There's not a person on the planet that doesn't have uh, some dislike of other people in their lives. And I want to make that okay. I want to I make that okay because it's true that there are some people who we don't necessarily jive with, and that's okay. That doesn't mean we don't love them. It does mean that we don't want them in our lives, and that's okay. Uh, I want to really authenticate that, but... On the other hand, hate is destructive. It not only destroys the people who hate, but it destroys the people who are hated. And it, it can actually erupt into physical violence, as we've definitely seen, and we've seen more of it recently. And uh, we've seen lives and families broken up by these immigration, the ICE folks going into people's homes, ripping them out of their homes and sending them uh, outside the country. So we're... There's a lot of hate going on right now, and it's very obvious, and it's very clear that that's what's happening. And at the same time that that's going on, as I said, there's also a, a very global, very public, very loud outcry against that hate. And uh, that, that, that makes creates a dialogue, and that's what we want. We want that. Uh, because ultimately, everything comes down to love. Uh, now, what do I mean by that? I believe that the consciousness of humanity is made up of, of love. That ultimately, uh, and I don't mean any kind of sweet, flowery, perfumey, stinky love. I mean, I mean a generative, powerful, connective tissue of humanity. Uh, I mean that we are deeply connected, that we can't get away from that, that we are one whether we like it or not that we are really deeply connected to each other, soul to soul, skin to skin, flesh to flesh, bone to bone, that we can that 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 aspect of us will not forever be denied. As I said earlier, when we push something away in the closet, it has an energy of its own and it will out. That energy will out ultimately. 
Um, and and it, it begins to take a voice and it begins to take a, a behavior and it begins to grow arms and legs and it begins to perform as a real entity. So we need to know that our ignorance of ourselves only means that the ultimacy of love is going to come out harder and faster at some point. Because what we're doing is hiding from ourselves all of our powerful self-love and all of our powerful love for other people. And, uh, and so that's what hate does. But here's what I count on. That unconsciousness will ultimately become conscious because everything that's unconscious ultimately becomes conscious. Maybe not in this lifetime, but in the next or the next or the next. At some point, we raise our consciousness about a given idea. And the idea that other people should be hated because of their color or their race or their culture or their, or their sexual orientation or their gender identity or their disability or their ability or their wealth or their health or uh, any of those things or any other things is uh, a very distorted and ignorant and frightened idea, frightened and frightening idea. Um, so, uh, so what do we do? What do we do with this? We push. We push a little bit on the argument. We tell our truth. We act our truth. If we have love, then let us love. If we have hate, then what we need to do is be looking inside ourselves and asking questions about the reality of that hate. Is it really true that this is, this is how I should feel? This is, this is all there is? One tiny group of people that's supposed to rule the whole planet and everything else is less than? Really? That's really what I want to believe? Um, that kind of questioning can be facilitated when other people around us are loving. So, and I mean not just loving of the people that we know. Anybody can do that. Any, any, you know, I'm always fascinated. I was always fascinated by the love in the family, in the Godfather family. When I watched that series, uh, those three different movies, uh, uh, when they came out several years ago, how much they loved each other and how they danced and, uh, you know, were very loving and, and, and caring for each other, and yet they were out there killing other people. So anybody, regardless of whatever else they can do, even the worst psychopath, can be loving to at least one other person. That's possible. What's harder is us for us to love people that are different from us. And that, if we're demonstrating that, then what we're doing is opening up the collective consciousness to the possibility that there's a love that runs under the hate. That, that, that love is not the opposite of hate, but that hate is a denial of the love that we actually have. And in that, in that way, what we're doing is raising the consciousness of the world. So that's what we can do as, as people who are concerned about the enormity of hate in the world. I have people ask me all this all the time in therapy. They come in and they go, what do I do with this darkness? You know, it just seems so dark right now that there, that there are so, many, so much hate and so much gloom and so many decisions being made that are made out of hate and made out of a superior idea that wealth is better than everything else and made from the idea that, that one family should have all the wealth and other, all the other people should just, you know, die or whatever. The people shouldn't have health care because, you know, they, because they're just poor. And so why should they have health care when the wealthy need it? Uh, these ideas are darkening the consciousness of America. And what I say is what we need to do 
is learn how to see in the dark. What we need to do is say, okay, this is a dark time. Instead of saying, oh, no, we need the light turned on. Let's turn the light on. Let's deny this. Let's, you know, stick our head in the sand and pretend it's not happening. Or let's just say there's no more good in the world and just give up or any of those options. Rather, let us learn to see in the dark. Let us learn to say, I'm going to be loving and kind and overt about it so that I can be uh, a light in the darkness. You know, in the dark, what happens is when somebody first turns off the light, we can't see very well. We can't, uh, we just, everything's black and we can't see at all. But slowly our eyes begin to adjust to the darkness and we begin to find our way around in the room. Unless it's absolute darkness, which uh, there there is no such thing. So, at least not on in the natural world. Um, and so, uh, you know, what happens there is our eyes begin to adjust. And that's what can be happening for us all now. Our eyes can begin to adjust. We can see the reality of the unconscious material that has now risen into conscious awareness. We now see that there is hate in the world. That there are people who... Uh, whose actions are de- are consciously and deliberately based in hate. We absolutely can see that. And we can also see that there are people in the world who are loving and kind and generous with their love and uh, who, who deeply care about other people, regardless of their health or status or their wealth status. They are very uh, kind and generous with other people. So... Um, it's it's important for us to be able to see what's going on in the darkness, to be able to say, okay, I I can see all of it. I see the whole picture. I'm not going to just look at the the hate. I'm not going to just look at the love. I'm going to look at all of it in, as a collective consciousness. Uh, so what's really going on in the world is that I am, uh, I, you know, is 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 a collective awareness of. What's been hidden in the unconscious for a long, long time. And now it's out. It's out there so that we can have a public argument about it. And that public argument allows us to offer change. So we can do that. We can pragmatically offer change in a public argument. So don't get off Facebook. Don't close your Facebook account. Don't get off Twitter and say that, you know, you shouldn't have to deal with people that are so filled with hate. Don't turn off your TV and pretend that there's no news going on. Don't bury your head in the sand. Keep your eyes open so that you can learn to see in the dark and you can offer change to this world by being aware of what goes on inside of you. Be aware of your own hate. Come to terms with your own shadow material. Anytime you've got hate going on in there, ask yourself where the love is that was wounded. Anytime you've got hate going on for a collective in there, ask yourself, uh, you know, why you're denying love, why you think that difference is wrong, how, how you support your own self-esteem by putting others down. Ask yourself this question and come to some real answers. And that's how we, that's how we begin to change. We become conscious. Change is always really not, not a major transformation, but ma- rather a deeper awareness of what is. What is already there? What is already there within all of us is a floor, a groundedness of love. And we can touch that floor, but we have to go within to find it. We're not going to find it by by, uh, pretending the lights are on. We're not going to find it by pretending it's all black. we got to find our little lights in the dark. And the dark night of the soul 
there are always lights, little stars going off. And I like uh, the old Greek definition of uh, words for stars. The old Greek word for stars contains the word insight. So when the little lights go off inside you, little insights go off inside you, that's you offering change to yourself, which also offers change to the world. So as we get stay inside, stay informed about what's going on inside of us, we offer that same awareness to the entire world. That's how transformation occurs, and that's how we go beneath hate to find love. So uh, being aware of the groundedness that is love within each of us, uh, we become, actually we become more aware of that as we stay inside, as we stay in, inside of ourselves paying attention to what goes on in there. And use that to take that out into the world instead of bringing the world inside of us. Okay, that's our show for today. That's all we've got. We'll be back again next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week. 